Empire. Hey guys, how are you doing? Thank you for joining us today. Hope you guys had a nice weekend. This is the Beltway Sports Bros Podcast. I'm Matt Bazana, and we're going to do something a little different on this episode. Um, unfortunately, our dear friend Chris Webb passed away on Friday, and truthfully, we didn't think it was the right thing to do to do a show, I don't know, bashing Darius Geis or talking about how the Chiefs stole the Redskins catchphrase or anything like that. Truthfully, Chris would have probably been pissed off that we didn't do a show because, you know, we're mourning him, but this is us honoring his memory. Just so you guys know who Chris is, he was one of my best friends, and he was a huge DC sports fan. Uh, he, he grew up in the area and honestly never left until his final breath. Chris was Chris was the guy that uh, lit up a room when he walked in. He he had the best sense of humor, the quickest wit of anybody I've ever known. And shit, hey, Noel even liked him, which was saying a lot. And, you know, Noel doesn't really like anybody. You know, if you've ever lost someone too soon, and you, and I know many of you listening have, and so there's many emotions that are thrown at you at once, some you don't expect. And, you know, the stages of grief are real. Chris was like a brother to me. I know most of you don't know Chris, but I wanted to give one example of what kind of person that he was. Um, so I was the new kid at Quince Orchard High School. My parents wanted to move, so we did. Or I was supposed to go to Gaithersburg High School. Uh, the people that I moved away from were kids that I knew since kindergarten. Didn't know a soul. It was intimidating. It's not something I was used to. It's tough for a 14-year-old kid, you know, like a fish out of water. The first couple of months, I would come home depressed and crying. I hated my life. I didn't know anyone. I just wanted to go home, you know, where things made sense. Chris didn't know I was going through all this. You know, you got to have that tough exterior. You know, you just got to do whatever you can not to show weakness in high school, right? But um, he still extended this olive branch to me and, and, and asked if I wanted to hang out. And, you know, that's a really tough thing to do for a guy to ask to ask another guy if they want to hang out. I still have issues to this day with that, you know. Uh, keeping in mind, he already had friends that he knew since kindergarten, much like myself prior to that. So, you know, he, didn't need, he really didn't need me. But he still thought that it'd be a good thing. I guess he liked me or wasn't worried about the what people thought. After that, my life got so much better. And, you know, I look back at my life in high school with fondness and great memories. And I don't know where I would have been without him. The sad thing is, you know, I just never told him that, how much it meant to me. It meant the world to me. That that single moment changed my life forever, gave me more confidence, you know, got to the point where I can do a podcast and be made fun of by my brother all the time. And, 
you know, I, back then, it would have never happened, not in a million years. He wasn't just this way with me, but so many other people were touched by Chris as well. Chris was a, a beautiful person. I don't know how other way to say it. He left this world far too soon. He, he, was, he was a bright spot in what can be in a, a very, very dark world. I'm going to play the porta potty story for you guys after this, but I didn't do it justice. I would give anything in the world to have Chris be able to tell that story one more time. Um, he had the gift of gab and such a storyteller. You know, I, I tried my best, Chris, but I, I just I'm never going to live up to that. I always had I was always envious of his ability to tell a story and be able to elicit emotions and that that just I learned a lot from him in that way and I'm and I still never measure up. Chris, I I love you. I wish I would have actually told you that when you were still here. If you've lost touch with anyone, do whatever you can to get in touch with them. Do whatever you can to call them. Go to their house. God, I wish I would have done that because you know, life is too short to be stubborn or hold on to negative feelings or you just never know it's around the corner and I, I just hope he is in a better place and is not in pain or anguish or in a dark place anymore. Um, next, you're going to hear the porta potty story from FedEx Field. Again, hope I did it justice, but I know I didn't. Then the rest of the show will be a best of with our interviews from Bram Weinstein, Joel Corey, and Ben Standig. So stick around for that. That's about it. So. Rest in peace, old friend. Sad to say, but Noel and I are getting old, and we've been looking for ways to sharpen our hand-eye coordination and reaction speed, but also like to throw something around outside with our kids once in a while. Then we found this product, Hiko Sticks. Hiko Sticks has three prongs, three colors, throw it, call the color, and catch the color. Simple, right? It's way harder than it looks, and there are so many ways to increase the difficulty that challenges even the best athletes. For example, Odell Beckham, Alvin Kamara, Joe Burrow, just to name a few. They use it to take their training to the next level. So Hiko Sticks is the winner of the Men's Health Award, even though it's already being used across all major pro sports and college programs, doesn't mean it's just for the elite. It also has the national standard for K through 12 physical education curriculum. With so many shutdowns and gyms closing, Hiko Sticks is the perfect tool to add to your home workout. Or you can just make it a fun competition with your family, you know, while you're sitting at home. You can go to HikoSticks.com for more details. When you order, don't forget to use our promo code Beltway Bros and get 10% off your entire order. Catch Hiko Sticks today. So me and my friend Chris went to a Monday night football game against the Titans, actually in 2000. Right. Um, and, and we parked off site because we didn't want to pay as much, right? So walking through, they have those porta potties in the parking lot. We saw a guy that was taking a shit. <laughs> he was taking a shit. He was taking a shit in one of the porta potties, and his buddy flipped. <laughs> Flipped the porta potty over while Yo, he was in it. Oh uh, my god! Uh, and he comes out, and he, half of his body's blue. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been fucking. Somebody would have been dead. Well, and not to mention he had shit all over him because <laughs> those things have been used. <laughs> what since like two o'clock that afternoon? Wow! And um, he came out, and as you can imagine, beat the living shit out of his friend. <laughs> yeah. I, I got I mean, out of Dodge. That, I was just that, a child, but it was awesome. Just, that is awesome. I mean, unless you're in the porta potty, of course. I mean, holy cow. I think I could have beaten Mike Tyson 
if I would have come out of that porta potty. I mean, I would have knocked him the fuck out. I think if that if that had happened to me, pretty sure he would have ripped your heart out. If, uh, but <laughs> I know. if it was Mike Tyson, but I, I, I understand what you're saying. Please welcome the legendary Bram Weinstein. Bram, how's the beach treating you right now? Legendary. Wow. That's, yeah. You, wow. You guys. Like, <laughs> that is just far from the truth, but I can't tell you how appreciative I am of that adjective. That is an amazing, amazing adjective that I never thought I'd hear in my life. <laughs> you are. Yeah. We've been listening to you for 25 years or whatever it's been. You know, I've, I can't believe I'm actually doing a show with you right now. I don't, I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm on cloud nine. I'm not going to lie. Listen, man, like I, I love what you guys are doing. I'm so happy you guys want to work with, with the network that I'm building. I, I really I genuinely just kind of love what you guys are doing. And um, I think we need voices like yours in our market. Um, and I'm happy that you guys signed on to do this with me. I was, I'm pleased. So, you know, legend, I'm making you guys legendary. You guys are going to surprise <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're, we're thrilled to be on the network and really yeah. appreciate the opportunity. So, but you still have to deal with us idiots. So, um, I'm Matt Vazana and as always my brother, Noel. Noel, how's it going? Good, good. Yeah. I mean, I, I finally got a platform to just be the crazy jerk that I am. It's, it's great. Yeah. It's awesome. It, all these years of... You know, my family telling me that I'm the, you know, the crazy loud mouth. See? Yeah. Here I am. Here I am. There you are. Wow. Well, this is test number one, too. Like, you buttered me up with legendary. I can't wait for the shitty question I'm going to have to try to answer now. <laughs> right. put such a crap. Like, trust me, I've been, I've been down this road a million times. They butter you up and then ask you something to make you say something terrible. So I can't oh. let's hear what question one is. Right, wait. right. Yeah, be ready here, Bram. Yeah, yeah. Brace yeah. for impact. Yeah. All right, so... Uh, <laughs> So Bram's gonna head out a little bit early today, but uh, he has a you have a boogie boarding lesson or something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I went to the beach. I'm at the beach for this week, and um, I haven't been out of my house in I don't know about you guys, but I've basically I've been one of the like I'm freaked out by COVID nineteen, and I do wear a mask and I do take it seriously, and I've been hiding in my house for three months, so. This is like uh, an indoctrination into the world again, being outside. So you only oh, yeah. have my attention for such a <laughs> right. small amount of time because I'm like, I haven't seen the outside world. It's like, I feel like this is like the nuclear scares of the 1950s. Like, I think I'm thinking now, like now I understand, like I haven't been in the outside world and I'm like scared to walk by somebody. So, right, like, right. Uh, yeah, everybody man. thought Howie Mandel was crazy, but see, yeah. he's, uh, he, nope. he knew what was going on yeah. the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> But to, to start, if it's all right with you, Bram and Noel, I don't really care what you think, but uh, <laughs> let's. <laughs> we're going to talk about the big news from yesterday. The Washington football team has changed their name to, you ready? The uh, Washington football team. So that's exciting. Well, at least for next year. But if you haven't seen it, the team put out a new uniform design as well. The biggest change is that the player numbers will replace the logo on the helmet, and there are no stripes on the helmet. Bram, I know you've probably talked about this for, I don't know, three hours on your show, but what do you think about it? What are your thoughts? So I think they made the best of what they could for now. I am really happy that they didn't. I don't know what the rush was to. It's one thing to disassociate. I don't mm -hmm. know what the rush was to get a name. Right. Like, what are, like this is a $3.5 billion or more brand. Like, right. you don't just let anybody with a graphic design degree create a logo <laughs> and slap it on a helmet a week later just because you've decided that you're going to change the name 
And so I was, I'm, I'm really happy that they're not doing that, that they're going to actually really think about this, that it may not end up being sort of something cartoonish like mm-hmm. Red Wolves. I don't know how you guys felt about that, but I didn't want that to happen. And I think this is actually the right thing to do. I'm not a huge fan of the numbers on the helmets, but that's short term. And maybe I'll get used to it. And I also do think, I don't know, this is probably not going to happen. But look, Dan Snyder died on the hill for this. He didn't want to change the name, right? He didn't want to do that. He wanted to preserve the tradition. Well, guess what? If he never changes the name, then the name's never been changed. So if they're Washington football team in perpetuity, then they're kind of always the Redskins. And I don't know if people are going to take to this or not. And I do believe they are going to come up with a new nickname at some point. But for me, I'm okay with this for now. And frankly, I'm okay with this long term if they were willing to do this. Yeah. Well, for me, I mean, not to pat myself on the back, but I've been saying this name since this was a controversial issue for years. I mean, I was actually saying Washington FC, more so a soccer style thing and say it's kind of a, yeah, you can keep with the tradition to a certain extent. You still have all the colors, and um, I like the name. I think that it's kind of a quiet fu, so to speak. Yes, and kind of sticking to their guns a little bit. And I'm hoping that maybe people turn out to like it this way, and 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 will keep it. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. I mean, I, I really I think it kills two birds with one stone. Right. Um, if you if you read that statement that he put out on the name change where he actually said Redskins like 18 times in a statement <laughs> in saying that he's changing the name Redskins. It's, it's the most passive aggressive thing I've ever seen. And, and like, really, I mean, it's, it, no one's allowed to say this outside of our region. That's why I'll say it to you guys. And I've said it on the radio, but I'll say it to you guys too. It's, I wish we didn't have to change the name. I know what we meant by it. Like there was no malice or racism attached to right. it. We all know that. And but like I get it. We're at a time when they had to change it and I'm not defending it and they had to change it. But I do think intent matters. And so there's a big part of me that feels like you're you're wiping away my childhood here. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and for me, not for frankly, a good enough reason to do so. But I get it. You have to change it. Well, if you never replace it, then it never really went away. So for me, I'm okay with this, and I don't. I do believe they're going to come up with a new name, and I'm just appreciative that they didn't do something really fast that is regrettable, like Wizards or something right. like that. You don't like the Wizards, huh? Hey, no. I wanted do to. You? <laughs> I, it took a long time to get used to, but I, I will say this though. I wanted to ask you. Maybe you can clear this up for us, Bram. But everyone's talking about the reason they're going this route because it's, it's impossible to make so many changes in such a short period of time all these marketing experts and all that, but going this route, aren't they going to have to go through this bullshit twice now? Yes, they are. But like, everyone's like, I saw someone who was it? Someone tweeted, it was like Emmanuel Acho or someone like that, like tweeted something mm-hmm. like, you had all this time and this is what you came up with. All this time? Right, it's been right. three weeks. <laughs> what are you talking about? All this time. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah, when you change a $3.5 billion brand, you should do it overnight. Yeah, that sounds smart, buddy. Like, I'm <laughs> right. glad you're not running the team because what, what would they have been called if you were running the team? Right. Like, you know, this isn't an all-nighter and stay up and write things on a whiteboard and when you're super high, go, that's the one. Like, that's, <laughs> right. that's not what you do. And so I appreciate that they're taking the time with this. And I do think and I feel like there is a possibility that we get through this whole year. People kind of like this. And I know they're, they're like, this is soccer. And I'm like, well those soccer teams happen to be the most famous teams in the world. Exactly. Barcelona doesn't have a nickname. Exactly. You know, City doesn't have a nickname. 
so I don't know that they have to change this. And and you know, and you know how I feel about this. Like I, I like the old. We just have this American mentality that you have to have a nickname. I, I don't get it. This team has established itself based on an area, based on the tradition that they have. They're a football team. I, like I said before, a spit in the face to a certain extent, saying, no, we're going to keep the tradition going. We don't need to revamp everything. And like you said, Bram, it took for the Bullets to transition over to the Wizards, that shitty name that they came up with as the Wizards. It took them an 18-month transition to make that happen. I mean, and they're expecting, and guys are irritated that they didn't just jump into the Red Wolves or Red Tails bandwagon. It's insane. (laughs) Right. It's like nobody has any sense of time anymore. Right. Like, oh, you had three weeks to think about it. You didn't do anything. Three weeks? (laughs) Yeah, what is this? The real world is not Twitter, pal. (laughs) What are you doing? Like, whatever they do here is going to be a massively important decision. And you just think that they ought to just, like, sit down one day throw names at each other and circle one and make that the name like that's just stupid it's so insane. i'm glad they didn't do that because this is my team and i don't want them to come up with something really dumb and they may do that anyway but like i'm i almost certain it's 50 50 it's going to be terrible if they did it on that yeah. kind of timeline well i mean i think all the names are going to suck but you know hopefully they do the best with that but i you know i think it was a smart move like you said because i didn't want it to turn into like a raven situation where they had to get that stupid bird head because they were forced to change it because of the lawsuit you know they just had to throw throw something on the side of their helmet yeah, when they had that so shield. that oh my god what and then they had to stick to it because they won the super bowl looked like shit and that's what i was going to ask you um let's say hypothetically that they win the Super Bowl this year. I mean, obviously, <laughs> the likelihood of that happening is very low. But you can't change it after like, that, okay, though, right? Go on. Right, go on. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, what, you can't change the logo or this name after you win a Super Bowl. Bram, you this have is, to stick Bram, to it. You, this, is what you can't I, be the... this is what I deal with oh, on a regular basis. These ridiculous I... hypotheticals that I have to <laughs> yeah. acknowledge. But go ahead. Oh, I'm well, sure they're <laughs> going to win the Super Bowl this year. Uh, you know, I do think, like... I would. I do like the Cleveland Indians are heaven and hot about changing their name, and they actually have a pretty yeah. good team. And it's a weird, dumb, shortened schedule. I would love for them to win the World Series and Mike drop the name. Like that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing if they would go do that. And I, I'm with you. I wish that would happen. But like, where were you going with this? Because you lost me at win the. Super oh no 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 no! Right, I, I apologize. No, what, what I, I know that the likelihood is extremely low. Let me let me preface it with that. But if you do that then you have to just stick with what you have. You can't ch- change it to freaking Red Wolves or something after you win a Super Bowl, right? I, I, I don't know. I mean, at this point, Who knows? it really just depends on what is acceptable any longer. Yeah. You right. know what I mean? And I, and yeah. I'm not sure I know what that is. I do know that Redskins was no longer acceptable. The rest of That's it's all sure. up for debate. But I mean, just think about like the Atlanta Braves came out and they have not said whether they would play the music that gets people to do the tomahawk chop. I know. <laughs> right. It's just like, I, there's a part of me that feels like, wow, they're, these teams are still kind of bulldozing through this and ignoring all of it. Like, how come we didn't? And I guess it was the financial pressure, and, and well, here we are. So they'll be the Washington something. Well, and the Chiefs and the and Florida State, they do the, the tomahawk chop as well. Yes. And nobody's saying anything about that. I mean, I, sure. I thought that was way more racist than the Redskins' name. You know, the, but hey, the whatever. Indians had a buck tooth, red faced cartoon Indian on their jersey yeah. for I don't know how many years, and they walked away from it. But you know, the crazy part about that one is, like, when Dan finally did it, all he got was the crap from people saying, "Well, he's not doing it for the right reasons." And even though he did it, he couldn't get it right. Do you hear anybody writing the like, 
that crappy Cleveland Indians owner took him so long to get rid of Chief Wahoo. <laughs> no, you don't. Right. So, like, and listen, Dan deserves a lot of what he gets. But, like, in this case, he actually ended up doing the thing that everyone asked him to do, and he still couldn't get it right. You know, exactly. like, <laughs> it and, sucks. And at the end of the day, I've been saying that if it wasn't for Snyder being the owner, and I've unfortunately defended him on a few things because I'm the yin to the yang, but more than a few, more things. than a few. But if he was, if there was a different owner involved, I believe the name would have been changed 10 years ago. Yes. He's the one that was the trailblazer for this whole thing. I mean, I he's been fighting tooth and nail to keep this name through thick and thin, been a criminal, number one, an FBI most wanted list because of this name and he stuck to it and now everybody wants him out everybody wants to ostracize the guy but at the end of the day we got to enjoy the name probably for an additional 20 years because he was the owner well i mean for me like there's a lot of things to complain about with dan a lot absolutely um in this particular case though i i used this word about a week ago and people were like that's too strong of a word but i do admire him for sticking up for the tradition (laughs) and nostalgia okay Yeah. yeah like i do like as someone who, like him, lived and breathed this team and still does, like, I want my owner not to just kowtow to people. Like, I want him to say, no, this is what we mean by it. This is what our, um, this is what our history is. This is why we use this. And I'm not going to listen to you tell me what's right and what's wrong with my brand when I know my fans. Absolutely. And yeah. I appreciated that about him. He was never going to win this long term, ever. Like, yeah. he was never. And we've reached the point of no return with it. And in the end, I'm okay with that because I think we all know, even with best intentions, it's inappropriate. Right. <laughs> right? Absolutely. <laughs> I always knew yeah. that. I mean, end, I always knew there was a, a, a cloud over it. I mean, I, I'm not of blind course. to that, but I guess I just didn't care. or And I never looked at it that way, like you said. I, I never Neither thought of I. it in that manner. No. And, like, who was walking down the street in D.C. yelling, racist, at the guy yeah. in the Dexter Manley jersey? Like, <laughs> right. And then I've talked to other people around the country and they're all, you know, they're all pointing fingers and like, yeah, see, yeah, like big win. And I'm sitting there going, okay, are you a football fan? And like, yes. And I'm like, guess what? You're never going to have a Redskins Cowboys game ever again in your life. Are you bothered by that? You should be. <laughs> well, it, to, to play you know? devil's advocate for a no. second, and I, and I know you got to run, uh, Bram, but would you go to an Indian reservation and call somebody a Redskin? Would I? No. No. Yeah, of course not, because no. it's a racist term. Right. And and I know that that wasn't the purpose of this. The point of it is not to a racist or we're trying to be racist against him with the Redskins name, but it still is a term that's a racist term overall. And th- for me, it made me kind of uncomfortable after a while. I, and I told yeah. Noel this. And I, I go out of my way to get the the R logo instead of the Native American head. Eventually, you just keep hearing people over and over again that it's you know, oh, you, you like that racist team. Even if it's a joke, it still was starting to make me a little uncomfortable. Maybe I'm in the minority on that. I don't know. But I don't know. He, you like, are. I, I don't know. If, would you, okay, what would you rather wear in public right now? A, a hat with the Redskins logo or a MAGA hat? Like, what What do you think oh, would man. get the more visceral <laughs> reaction oh, right now? Absolutely. We're not supposed to talk politics on this one. There. <laughs> What, what, you, like, what would be the more visceral reaction? Because I'll tell you, like, it's not that I run around wearing those hats, but I've never run into a situation where I wore anything that had their name or the logo on it, and people, like, accosted me. Like, Absolutely that never not. I know. To your point, never. Like, to your point, like, I also wouldn't run around calling people that. But I think, right. like, again, intention matters. And 
that's not what it represented and it never did represent that but i get yeah. it it's gone now and it's crying yeah. over spilled milk and they're right. gonna name themselves something and that's fine hey you know, i'm happy fine. with the name how it is right now i hope that it sticks with the uh, washington ft i guess is what would, <laughs> would be but um, I'm, I'm <laughs> i like that that's good yeah. but i mean i'm i'm happy that they went this route i think the uniform i mean hell that number on the side I mean, I didn't even think about that because we were talking yeah. about what would they change the logo to and everybody's talking about going back to the spear or the R. And I'm looking at that uniform like, wow, that actually that that gold numbers on the side actually looks pretty clean. It doesn't look too bad. I mean, I think yeah, Alabama, I mean, obviously, but hell, we got so yeah. many Alabama players anyway. Who gives a shit? Well, we'll right that helmet. or a blank helmet or the word Washington written out. And I, mean, like that's, <laughs> yeah. I do like I mean, FT on the helmet would have been pretty good. Yeah, that yeah been, right. That been good. But uh, all, all I'm glad is in the end, they kept the colors. Yeah. The colors are amazing. There's no reason yeah. to change those. I don't know why the Wizards got away from red, white, and blue when they did. They didn't have to do that. I'm glad they've gone back. And I'm glad that they stuck to it with this. The burgundy and gold is a perfect classic color combination in the NFL. There's no reason to change that no matter what their name is. So I was glad Agreed. they stuck with that. That that would have been heartbreaking if they changed that. But at least we can take solace in the fact they're still the burgundy and gold, if nothing else. So Doc can keep calling them that. Bram, thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate it. We really appreciate yeah, it, right, Noel? Thanks a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, and I know you got to run, so I uh, hope you didn't take up too much of your time on this. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your vacation. Is there anything that you want to promote? You know, uh, I don't know. No, just happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh, there you go. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, thanks for being on the All show, right. man. I really <laughs> yeah, appreciate it. Thank you it. so much. Yeah, no, I'm really glad to work with you guys. Everybody listen to their show. You guys are the best. Thank you for Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thanks, Bram. No! Possible. Please welcome Joel Corey, former agent and CBSSports.com contributor and fellow Empire Podcast Network host of the Inside the Cap podcast, which we were just talking about this off a camera or or a radio, whatever you want to call it. But it's a really awesome podcast, Joel. You go so deep into the NFL cap contracts and really the NFL overall. It's really an impressive podcast. It makes us sound like complete morons. So thank you for that. <laughs> I'm just trying to impart whatever insight I may have picked up for my years working with players and and things I've noticed and observed about the NFL when I was on the player side of the business and thought maybe I might have something that people might find useful and interesting. So that's all that's all I'm trying to do. Well, you definitely do. You're it's it's really groundbreaking stuff because like Noel was saying, I mean, it's stuff that you don't even really think about, you know, that you just go in and, and know the ins and outs and it's great stuff. And I remember, you know, watching or listening to you on other radio shows prior to the podcast. And I always looked forward to your interviews with um with you know the local media guys because it was just really eye opening stuff. So thank you for taking a few minutes with us. Really oh sure, no problem. But so and also you can follow Joel at Corey Joel on Twitter. Anything that they can follow you on as well? Uh that's the only platform I'm on. No no Facebooks or anything. Interesting yeah, things I couldn't get my name on Twitter the way I wanted it. And I don't have a common name. Uh, either name isn't common. I wanted it yeah. first name, last name. But there's some British uh, fitness trainer, model, DJ <laughs> who had Joel Corey. And I was like, why is that not available? Yeah. Right. And now now he's like becoming pretty well-known in the, in the uh, electronic <laughs> dance music uh, genre. <laughs> well, at least we're common on the fact that we're both not, uh, I'm not on a whole lot of social stuff myself. That's my brother's job. So at least I feel at home with you on that. Because sometimes I get these like uh, direct messages about music. I'm like, not nah, wrong. I'm like, I'll respond like wrong one. Try this one. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, does he have a podcast too? Because I saw some guy with Joel Curry that had like a million episodes. That's on there. probably that the that's guy? probably it's oh, gotta be man. him, right? It's like man, because on well, we got, Cirrus we got the real on one. in the car when I uh, start scrolling through stations and like I stop for a second on the Diplo channel. Occasionally, I've seen his name pop up, and I'm like, do a double take because I'm like, well, it's my name. Like, oh, I'm like it's the other guy. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, well, somebody's got to change here. I think that's the answer. It can't be you. All right. So we're going to jump right into it, if that's all right. So I wanted to ask you, Joel, from, from my side. So, you know, the MLB is a total mess right now with their COVID situation, right? They're, they're saying that they're going to continue on and still play and the whole thing. And, but in, and as you know, the NHL, MLS, and NBA are all in a bubble right now. And they, the NFL seems to be in you know, full steam ahead with their plan, which seems to mirror the MLB plan. Obviously, there's some differences here and there. But has there been any talk that you've heard about the season being delayed so they can find some kind of happy medium? Personally, I just don't know how this is going to work. And we talked about this on a prior episode. It just seems like when you have 90 guys currently on most rosters and when you drop it down to, what is it, 58 now, you, you, it's very difficult to just kind of allow them to just do their own thing, go home, come back, and without any kind of issues. I'm just curious what you think about that. I'll be shocked if there's a full season. I, I've noticed that phrasing hasn't been full season or like but complete season. Maybe complete is eight games, 10 games, 12 games, pause in the middle. But you got too many different ways for this to go wrong, not in a bubble. One, if you have family members who go out, like say your girlfriend or wife goes out to lunch someplace, they're not careful. They come home. You contract it that way. The inevitable immature person in his young twenties isn't going to stay at home all the time. He's going to go out someplace, go to some big social gathering at a house or something and he can contract it and bring it, bring it back into the facility. Cause I expect that there's going to be a team, which loses a whole position group or something, you may see games cancel. We're seeing an MLB multiple more Cardinals have tested positive today. I'm just not optimistic that we get through a full season, but the NFL has been damned to damned to torpedoes full steam ahead. Every juncture this year, Notre Dame free agency draft wasn't delayed found a way to work around the off-season programs by having them virtual, but they seem intent on trying to start this thing on time. And I think part of that is you're going to have huge ratings because even the WNBA has been getting big ratings. Oh yeah. So if you have NFL football, yeah, you're going to have, <laughs> you're going to have people watching in record numbers this year uh, for at least week one. I don't know how many weeks they get through before they have to shut things down, but. The intent is to get through as many games as possible, and this is going to be a season of attrition. <laughs> well, why aren't they secluding them at the very least during training camp? Is there something there in the CBA or anything like that that doesn't allow them to sequester them for extended periods of time? Because back in the day, they used to do these almost quasi-bubbles during training camp anyway. I'm not really sure why they're still doing the back-and-forth going home situation when even just with the Redskins, for example, they used to be in Frostburg and sequestered for a month straight at, you know, the university. Why aren't they at the very least doing that? Well, this year they decided no universities because some teams still go there because that's harder to control because then you have outside people at a university. You'd be better off trying to do it at a hotel or something. To me, if you were going to try to have it uh, in a bubble, you couldn't have just one giant bubble. You'd have to have regional bubbles or like divisional bubbles, which would probably make the most sense where you have eight different bubbles someplace um, for, the, for the different divisions. And even that would take a whole lot of work. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, kind of moving to something else. As far as the opt-outs, um, I know that there is a 350000 if the player has a medical opt-out or there's 150000 if it's a voluntary. But when they opt out, and I know that money carries over to the whatever their salary is or their salary cap hit carries over to the 2021 season, I believe. Is there a way that the NFL teams are somewhat protected where they can at least have the option of, if they have a ton of salary cap room on the 2020 year, could they utilize part of the cap on that year and not have to get slammed on the 2021 season? Well, every time somebody opts out, you pick up cap room, and cap room can carry over from one year to the next. So okay. you you have the ability to still carry over the full amount. Like the Patriots are already in good cap shape, and I'll, they're going to have like $30 million more than they thought they were going to have because of the uh, opt-out. So all that room that they don't use, whatever they don't use, you have the option of carrying it all over. Most teams do carry the full amount over from one year and the next. I know one year the Broncos, for some reason, didn't carry over all of their unused cap room, but practically every team does. That's their decision. I thought that it was an automatic thing that if they don't use cap space the prior year, it automatically rolls over. That's not the case. No, you have to, uh, day after the regular season ends, you have to declare in writing how much you want to carry over from one year to the next. Huh. But since the cap is uh, has a floor of 175, which is basically rolling it back to, uh, which would be now, it would be three years by then to 2018 levels, it'd be right. crazy not to carry over all your cap room because people were thinking the cap's going to go up at least the usual 6 to 8%. So 210 would have been, 210 million would have been a reasonable projection. So you're starting probably 35 million in the hole from where you thought it was going to be pre-COVID-19. Okay. When you mentioned that, you know, there's a lot of teams in really bad. Oh, Philadelphia. Wow. Philadelphia, yeah, right. Saints, and um, Falcons are three teams that have over yeah. $200 million in cap obligations for next year. Um, so <laughs> they're going to have some interesting things to do to, to try to get there. But I expect that the average adjusted cap, if the past is any uh, indication, will be around 185 because typically – at the end of each year, the average carryover is like 10, 11 million per team. So you're really going to have a working cap generally around the league on average of about 185. But still, that's you're still way in all. Absolutely. I, it's crazy to think about because I was thinking, do you think that there's going to be some surprise cuts this year based off of teams strictly needing to have that cap money roll over just to stay under that 175, 185, whatever the case might, might be that they normally would have kept? but now they have to due to their situation for the next year. Yeah, you could have some guys who are low-cost, medium-salary vets who aren't necessarily your best players or they're, you have like a backup waiting in the wings that could take his place. They may have to take a pay code or they could get released. I, wouldn't, I would not be surprised to see some guys like that um, released. Or if you have a team that has a ton of cap room, may look to acquire a really good player from a team which could be stretched uh, next year. Going on cap restraints, and speaking of next year, like you said, it potentially could be at 185. After the Joey Bosa deal, I mean, with the Chargers, is that going to be a situation where now he's basically re-established the defensive end market? Are you going to be able to have a franchise defensive end and a franchise quarterback on the same team? Because right now they're okay. They've got they've got Taylor and they with a what I think he's at seven and a half against the cap and they've got Herbert who's on a rookie deal if, if there's a team for example that needs wants to keep their D end and they're at that Bosa rate on their defensive end and they still have a franchise quarterback is that conceivable 
it's going to be tough or it's like the Rams are a team, which has already kind of uh, seen that hurt them. After they paid Jared Goff, his numbers, cap numbers have gone up. Aaron Donald, big ticket item. So what do they do? Todd Gurley's gone and they're taking the biggest dead money cap hit this year for an individual player with uh, Brandon Cooks. So it, it's going to be hard to do that, to have to have your high-priced quarterback and your defensive player who's at the top of the non-quarterback market on the same team unless you have a bunch of cheap other guys. And, and San Diego can do it because Tyrod Taylor's a stopgap. I don't know if he starts the whole season or – or as soon as – if they get off to the traditional slow start, he's gone by week five. Um, and you're going to play Justin Herbert. And Herbert's cap numbers, it's like 4-8 this year. It's like uh, a little over six in 2021. It's like seven two five, and then like eight four five. So that's the model to have a high-priced guy. Now, Kansas City's interesting because – Patrick Mahomes decided to really give them a break on cash and cap the first couple of years. So they have two $20 million per year defensive linemen. And that's only because the cap numbers for Mahomes for this year and next year aren't going to be any different than what they would have been had he played out his rookie contract and his cash is way low. Because that's an underrated thing that I don't think a lot of people are thinking about, that not only are you going to have lower cap, but you're going to have lower cash. And there's also for each team, there's the salary cap. There's a cash budget as well. So the way Mahomes is taking his cash that he's not getting a lot early on, that's going to help them be able to afford other players because of their cash budget. Now, at some point, something has to give and you can't keep everyone, which is something that Bobby Wagner astutely pointed out when all those guys that they drafted when they became really good um, had the rookies contracts come up and they had to start picking and choosing who stays and who goes. And, and going into free agency for 2021 with the cap potential reduction, do you think that there's going to be a trend of less upfront money? where they're kind of backloading these contracts. So they are kind of like the home situation where it's friendlier up front for the first couple years. And then they're backloading it, not as heavy as guaranteed money up front, kind of like the, uh, the Bosa deal where these, I mean, he's getting what 78 million guaranteed up front and then 102 over the deal. So potentially that when these free agents sign, they're going to be maybe ex- longer contracts, but backloaded. Uh, you're going to have more creativity in contracts. Um, I think you may see, a type of structure which a lot of teams have gone away from, which is assigning an option bonus structure. It's one that Cleveland used with Miles Garrett. Baltimore used to use it a lot, and they stopped, where you can keep the cap number low in the first year because you can have a big signing bonus, low base salary. And then in the second year, you have an option bonus, and the base salary will be low, and the option bonus will be to exercise year or years later in the deal. The problem with that is if you if it's the wrong guy, you have tons of proration because the option bonus is treated like signing bonus and prorated over the life of a contract for a max of five years. That's why they had to redo Joe Flacco midway during the deal because it's, they did they did the extreme. They had two option bonuses, so they had ton three sets of proration in his deal, and he had a huge cap number one year. He gave him leverage to re up and become the highest paid player by average salary again. You may see that to keep the cap numbers low early on, hoping that when the new TV money kicks in, that the cap is going to explode like everyone anticipated. 
because you're still, but still, it's not going to be what you thought it would be because you're probably still going to have a shortfall from lost revenue this year, which bleeds possibly into 2022, maybe 2023. But still, once the new TV money kicks in, that should at least have a jump in the cap. Maybe not the tremendous jump we were thinking pre-pandemic, but still, that may be a way to try to handle the loss of revenues, at least in 2021 and potentially 2022. I wanted to ask you as far as going back to guys that are opting out. Do you see other guys like Alex Smith, Ben Standig wrote an article about uh, with the uh, Athletic basically stating that it would make more sense for a guy like Alex Smith, who's in his current situation, to just take the 150K and have his money roll over. Do you see other guys taking that option as well? And do you think it makes sense for Alex Smith to just take the 21 and a half million or whatever it is the next year. And then with the new TV money, you've got that in, in, in his second year and there's a possibility he could actually see that money. Well, the thing is his 2020 salary, his base salary was 16 million, um, was guaranteed for injury at signing and it became guaranteed for skill and salary cap on the fifth day of the 2019 league year. So that was like uh, St. Patrick's day. So whether he plays a down or not, whether he, if he couldn't have come back, they were still on the hook for the 16 million. So in his case, you, if you opt out, you, your contract tolls up, gets pushed back a year. I just take the 16 million that's guaranteed and go from there. I, I think really for him, it'd be great if he could come back and get on the field again. But just the fact that he's back up and can have a normal life, I think this is more he gets to go out closer to his own terms than having his last football play be the injury. So for him, I don't think it makes a ton of sense to opt out. Because you got the guaranteed sixteen million this year. Yes, thank you so much. Kept you later than we thought we would, but uh, but Joel, thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Again, please check out Joel's podcast, Inside the Cap. Thank you again for being on. We really appreciate your time. Sure, thanks for having me. All right, let's get right to it and let's go to Ben Standig. Hey Ben, thanks for taking some time with us today. I know things are a little crazy for you during training camp and everything, but thanks for taking a few minutes with us. Hey, thanks for having me. It is a constant situation where I'm always thinking, when can I get a nap in these days? But you know, <laughs> sorry, it could be a lot of people have a lot of work, so I'm not going to complain. Well, let's just jump right into it, okay? So really, we're used to getting, I don't know, a tweet every three seconds about who's catching what and who's throwing what and you know, that kind of thing. And, and we're not getting a lot of information as we are accustomed to. Obviously, you can't be there at training camp right now. I think at some point you will be able to, from what I hear. But other than, you know, your standard press conferences, how are you getting your information from players for, that how players are looking or how their position battles are, etc.? How different is it for you right now? Yeah, I mean, it's incredibly, it's incredibly different. Like you said, we, we would all be doing that silliness of like, you know, 12 of us in a row saying, wow, what a great throw by Kyle Allen to uh, Darvin Kidsey. Look at that. Um, <laughs> so I don't miss that. Uh, but yeah, look, I'm obviously, I, I'm sort of taking it all in stride. While I understand for my job, it would be more interesting if, you know, I'd have a better understanding of the team if we could see anything. Look, there's a lot going on in the world right now. And, you know, I, from the moment that this all started happening in March, I've just been kind of under the impression of, you know what, do the best you can, figure it out, and just kind of move forward. So, you know, if you're, if, you know, if you said to me right now, hey, you know, who's, who's doing great on defense, I honestly wouldn't be able to tell you, even if I've heard stuff. You know, I heard stuff a year ago that, it, depending on who you listen to, were telling me that Josh Dodson was looking good. And I was like, wait, I'm watching this. I don't see that. And my sense was he wouldn't make the team, and I had – put that out there kind of early. So, or even to go back to 2015, when the last year when, when Kirk Cousins eventually took over for RG3, 
you know, some people were saying RG3 was looking good in camp, and it's not the way I saw the world. So even people who are – you may hear stuff, and unless I see it, and then can once I see it, even if I then talk to people who then say, well, I disagree, at least then I have some context. So right now it's tough. It is what it is. And look, I, the reality is I don't even think the team is necessarily – I don't really know how much they're even doing. You know, we'll, we'll hear bits and pieces, but I think they're, for them it's very much a, a slow, slow build-up, a work in progress, a lot of, you know, a lot of basic stuff. I don't think they're really – practicing in any real way right now so it stinks but like I said in the grand scheme of things that you know it's not the biggest deal right now well I know when you watch those press conferences and everything where they have the position coaches or Rivera on there even when Gruden was the coach you take what he says about a certain player with a grain of salt even when you've actually seen it and now it's like all hinges upon what these coaches are talking about with the players. I feel like when you're talking about where they're going through positions or even with the Alex Smith situation, I mean, they're talking about him doing certain drills in the background or whatever it is, or he's looking good, he's able to stabilize himself and he's got motion. But for me, like you said, we're kind of totally in the dark with this whole thing where it's all up to the coaches to give the type of information that they want to give. Yeah, I think the Alex Smith is a good example. Right? I actually wrote about this after Ron Rivera's press conference the other day, um, how he talked about Alex Smith and Dwayne Haskins. He said again for the umpteenth time, hey, Alex is doing great. If he can get cleared, he's in the competition for the quarterback and all that stuff. And, you know, if you just take him at his word, it sounds like that could happen. I am going under the impression that, Alex Smith never plays again in the NFL. No, again, breaking news, not a doctor. And again, <laughs> haven't seen anything. For all I know, he's bionic, and he's on the verge of becoming a, an NFL player again for real. In my own head, I can't wrap my head around how after the video we all saw, I mean, uh, you know, the documentary and all that, yeah. how this guy could get could play, how he could get cleared to play, you know, all that stuff. So in my head, I'm not taking – I mean, I'm listening to what Rivera's saying, and you – keep note of it, but like, I'm not just buying into it. Simultaneously, he said that Alex Smith knows about 75% of the, of the playbook, even without doing a lot of stuff because he's just yeah. experienced. So I followed up with, by the way, how, what, what percentage is Haskins then? And he said, <laughs> and he said Haskins is probably just a little bit behind that. And now people took that immediately to be a, sort of like, oh, no, what, that means Haskins is not doing great. But no, that's not how I viewed it at all. I viewed it as Haskins is a second-year quarterback who's not been in this offense. He doesn't have the experience that Alex Smith has or Kyle Allen does in this case. And therefore, I took Rivera's words a different way, like that, no, he's praising Haskins. Whether I believe it or not is a different story, but he's praising him. So it really is important, I think, to, you know, have have a good filter in your own head, I think, of what they're saying and how to process it. Uh, Because, you know, some people say the overly positive stuff, Maybe it's true, but maybe they just want it to be true or they're trying to put out a positive message and other people are a little more straightforward. So it, it is part of the challenge of this job, but, but I think it's also one of the interesting parts of the job. Well, I've been kind of outspoken about the Alex Smith situation too, about that I just oh, yeah? kind, of w- <laughs> <laughs> kind of wish that he would just, I don't know, stay home. Um, I appreciate his efforts and I I envy the guy for being able to do what he does and, and fighting back, but... Man, I just think that the the negatives outweigh the positives, especially when we're in the dark like this. You can say he's doing a great job, and he's really just kind of doing the the physical therapy and things like that. And where's Haskins' head in all this? I, I, when you're consistently having to answer questions about Alex Smith, I mean, that last com- press conference with Rivera, 
about half of it was about Alex Smith. And I don't know if it wears on at Haskins for a second year guy. I just think it's a questions that he doesn't need to answer. Right. I mean, I don't know how much he's paying attention. You know, I, I mean, these guys, when they say they don't read the media, I don't always buy that. But at the same point, look, he, I mean, Haskins is actually seeing Alex Smith out there. So he must have some sense. And, you know, I don't know what he thinks. I'm sure people around him are sure. probably saying things that I'm saying, like, the odds of Alex Smith ever playing again are pretty minuscule. So don't worry about it. Just do you. Right. I mean, if Alex Smith were to actually come back, get cleared, get out on the field, I think then we'd have a conversation about what's in the best interest of this organization. Is it to go to let the feel-good story play out at the potential harm of the, of the guy you just drafted in the first round a year ago? You know, look, some people think Haskins has the goods. Other people are, are less sure. But regardless, you think logically you want this to play out. Let him – get as much work as he can. By the way, we had no off season, right? So he's only getting training camp to go into a new season with a new coaching staff and a new playbook. You want him to get as much work as possible. You know, even if Alex Smith were to come back, that is a big question as to what you would do. So I don't think it's a big deal that, that, that it's a topic and Rivera says what he says. Again, Alex Smith, it's an unbelievable story that he's able to even walk and function and all these things and move around at all is quite amazing. We talked to Jim Hosser today, the receiver coach, who also was Alex Smith's offensive coordinator with San Francisco 100 years ago. And he was saying, like, it's nothing short of miraculous that that Alex can do what he's doing. And I, and I agree. So I think that's all amazing. You know, I do, to be honest, like, I, don't, I think maybe we collectively are talking about it too much. But at the same point, to be honest, Alex Smith is a fascinating story. And there isn't a ton on this team that is. And we can't see anything else. So it is the one topic we can ask that will probably generate some interest locally and nationally that we can't say, hey, hey, what's the key for Chase Young? We've done that 10 times, even if he's like the next most interesting thing. Same with Haskins at some point. So I think that's partly on us and just how the new cycle works. I personally wouldn't worry about where Haskins is right now with this until Alex Smith gets cleared, which again, I'm not envisioning it (laughs) at that point. (laughs) And then I think it starts to get interesting. So moving on from Alex Smith, who's that conversation's tired already at this point. (laughs) How many times can we talk about it? Noel likes to ask the same questions, you know, you know, yeah. what are you going to do? But uh, so, uh, you know, obviously the team just signed Inman the other day at wide receiver. On the last show, I kind of brought up the point that there's going to be a, quite a few cash strap teams, how COVID is going to be set up with $175 million as the baseline and, you know, maybe a little bit higher than that, but probably not much. So you got a good amount of teams that are going to be with their backs against the wall for next year and may need some money to roll over. So, you know, we, you and I talked about it, Ben. We had uh, Joel Corey on the other day, and he made a point to talk about uh, the Eagles, for instance, and they're, they're in huge trouble next year, among other teams. But is there any talk about Washington making a trade for somebody like, and he's just an example, but Deshaun Jackson, right? He has a terrible contract. Um, he's getting paid way too much. I can personally see teams that like the Reds, like Washington, that has, you know, they have $60 million or whatever it is in cap space, and that should roll over to next year if they choose to. Are we going to see more stars that are traded to these other teams that are in better, have a better cap situation, so they have that actual money to roll over? So my point is, Washington has a lot of needs, wide receiver being one of them, tight end being another, left tackle, they can say whatever they want that they're they're set at those positions. But I think from an outsider's perspective, they could really use some help. Do you see some surprise trades happening for buying low situations and getting kind of, 
you know, a six round pick for Jackson, something like that. Well, I think broadly, I think you make a, a really good point. I mean, there, there, this whole salary cap situation, and I'll be honest, I can, bar- I can barely balance my own checkbook, so the salary cap stuff <laughs> often goes like way over my head. But right, I mean, there's going to be teams who are looking ahead to next year going to be up against it for sure because of the likelihood that the cap will go lower and, uh, you know, if revenue falls and things like that. So I could see teams making some moves like that. I don't know about this team, though. What became apparent to me early on was, so you go back to free agency, you know, they make this big run at Amari Cooper, don't get him. And then everything else they did, other than Kendall Fuller, which was a splashy signing from a money standpoint, but, like, not the biggest deal in the world, relatively speaking, they didn't do any of that stuff. They kept all their money, and they basically decided, we're going to go for guys on short-term deals, one-year deals for the most part, who, from a culture perspective, do what we want to do. And Rivera has emphasized culture, culture, culture constantly. And I think, and kind of what he said to me when I spoke to him the other day, and he said at other times as well, is if nothing else happens this year, I mean, this is more of my interpretation of what he said, but if nothing else happens this year, they may not win any games. They're going to get this going in the right direction from a culture standpoint. And I think he's not going to want to jeopardize that by, by making a, a short-term play for somebody. Deshaun Jackson would be a bit of extreme because obviously he's got his own off-the-field issues right now or, you know, with what he said recently. And I don't think they'd want to bring in, like, that level of distraction. But even beyond that, unless you literally had somebody who they think is just so worth the money, but simultaneously a person they want to have as a leader in this locker room, I don't think they're going to do it. I I think ultimately this year is very much a a, a rebuild year. They're going to do what they can to, like I said, build up the young players, figure out what they have, set the appropriate tone, and then next year with the cap space they have, feeling better about where they are now, as a group, I mean, plus, like, this is not a normal offseason to boot. I mean, this NFL season will be insane. Uh, whatever we all think is going to happen probably will not. I wouldn't be stunned if there's a team nobody's picking makes the Super Bowl just because of crazy things are going to happen, you know, from players are missing games potentially because of uh, catching COVID-19. Who, who knows what will happen? So maybe the Reds – see, I said it now. Maybe Washington gets lucky, <laughs> uh, but and, and things work their way. But I don't think they're going to plan for that. I'm assuming they're going to play for the rebuild. So I don't think they go make that kind of move. It's certainly not somebody on a short-term deal. I think they, I think they just keep going forward with this idea that we're, we're plugging away, we're setting the tone for what's going to happen going forward in the next year, and get more aggressive. Yeah, I, I just feel like this is a golden opportunity for some teams that are looking to unload players. You know what I mean? And sure. they could find guys that could be a part of the future that are potentially getting overpaid. And so I, I just hope that they don't take the route of, oh, we're in rebuilding mode. We you know, shouldn't take advantage of being able to get players that they would normally not be able to get at a cheap price. And I hope that they do pounce on situations like that if they have the opportunity. But what yeah. are you going to do? I don't think your idea is wrong. And like, I thought it was interesting. Like when I went back, back in free agency, I remember looking at the, the receiver situation going, looking at the free agent options and thinking, wow, it really is like Amari Cooper or bust. There is nobody right. else in this group that like, I was afraid that they may do what they've done in years past, you know, overspend on a guy who's interesting, like a Robbie Anderson, they're okay, but like you're really not a one and you're going to spend too much money and all that. And they didn't. They went all in on the one guy who was interesting and then completely downshifted. So I thought to me that was interesting from a tactical standpoint that they seem to understand the market, at least see it the way I saw it. So based on that, I'm saying maybe there's some reason to think that they would take advantage of somebody if they think, hey, this guy, if he was available at that price, we would be willing to spend it. And, yeah, we think trading whatever the pick is, you know, especially the way you're just a day three pick, like the way you're kind of 
talking about it. That may be something to do. I, I think that makes sense. So maybe it would have to be somebody they really both buy into as a player and a locker room person more than just like a short-term fit for 2020. Well, do you Agreed. think that a couple of guys on this roster right now, I mean, they've got so many guys, so many young guys vying for positions. I mean, I'm looking at the receivers, obviously it's McLaurin and who's going to be the number two. And then at running back, you're kind of stacked where these guys, Bryce Love, for example, he's not going to be able to showcase himself with preseason. I feel like some of these guys might lose out on making this club or end up being on practice squads, for example, because they can't showcase everything. Even like offensive linemen where there's not going to have that full contact that they can showcase. And running back is one of those spots where, man, you can't showcase anything on a seven-on-seven. I mean, these guys look like they run 80 yards every single time when they touch the ball. I love the Bryce Love pick, no pun intended. And I feel sure that he could he could be, <laughs> with Gibson coming in, he could kind of be the odd man out. And they already have two tweener guys that can kind of do everything. So do you think there's going to be some guys that lose out that aren't going to have that prove-it time in the preseason? Definitely for sure. I mean, it's definitely there, – there, there will be, like, to some degree, you have to imagine with the coaching – like, on the one hand, some of these positions are incredibly wide open. You mentioned receiver. Other than McLaurin and maybe Steven Sims, it's hard to know what to make right. of any of these guys. If you told me Cam Sims is starting week one, okay. I mean, why not? I That's mean, Noel's guy. Is that right? I love him. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, his first year, he looked great. So I'm yeah. talking like, like, like literally. Thanks to preseason. Like anything is possible. If you told me that Jeremy Sprinkle doesn't make the team as a tight end, that they go with like Thaddeus Moss and uh, Hale Henschkiss or whatever as the, as the backups to, to Logan Thomas, okay, sure. I mean, why not? I think anything is conceivable to a degree, but at the same point, it will be hard for some guys to be able to to rise up and to take over. The, the running back spot is an incredibly fascinating one. I mean, I've made the argument that if you bind of the rebuild story I just said a second ago, that they should look to maybe see what they can get for Adrian Peterson. Because, again, if you're rebuilding towards the long haul here, you'd much rather let – again, we have to see about health, but you'd much rather, I would think, let Geis and Gibson and Bryce Love handle the ball than, it, than Peterson, who, while he saved this offense the last couple of years, and is obviously a, a Hall of Fame player, where is he with this team going right. forward? Probably nowhere. On the other hand, man, he's the only stable thing we know they have. <laughs> right, and, and, right. And, and, you know, you need, you know, one of the things that's frustrating, I think, is that Dwayne Haskins, you're trying to help him out, but he doesn't have a lot of help. So it's, it's just a tricky situation of how do you give everybody the opportunity to show what they can do, but in the shortened training camp, you got to get ready. And you probably, you know, Adrian Peterson doesn't need training camp, right? But you want to give these young guys opportunities. So, but you need Adrian Peterson on the field with Dwayne Haskins and, the, and to get a feel for what you have. Scott Turner needs to see what, the, what he's got. He's, this is all new for him too. So it is a tricky thing. Some people are definitely going to get hosed when it comes to a lack of opportunity. Um, I think you look at a lot of different positions on this team and you look at battles that would be fun to discuss that now are going to be like, Total. Yeah, uh, I, I, total I personally think that Peterson probably would have been gone if they would have had a full regular beginning of the season, where if they had full training camp and preseason and and Geis or Gibson or Love had showcased themselves, like you said, to a good point that what do they need him for? I mean, I, besides the stability aspect right now, things everything's so up in the air, not just with Washington, but with any other team that you might have to keep that stability just to salvage something. And this is also the other point, like, you know, you could also look at, say, like a Ryan Kerrigan. He's on the last year yeah, of his deal. Exactly. You now have Chase Young, Montez Sweat. You know, Ryan Anderson's also on the last year of his deal, but he's a younger guy. Could easily say, look, let's just give those three guys all the work. Maybe look to trade Ryan Kerrigan, but this would be sort of the opposite of what of what you were saying a second ago about the uh, 
acquiring somebody, maybe you look to, to move a guy like Kerrigan if you don't think he'll be back. But Rivera's trying to build this culture, and a guy like Kerrigan is the classic, you know, watch yeah. what that guy does. And Peterson, you know, to some degree the same way. Obviously, he's in phenomenal shape always. He's had a great career. You want your younger guys, I'm sure, on some level to, to learn from him. So it's that tricky balance of we need to – build but simultaneously we got we can't we have to have somebody out here that could do some things so i think that's part of their challenge with this uh you know shortened off season so let me know if you got to run okay but a couple more here and we'll let you go but sure. i want to ask you about the conversation you had with jack del rio that's you know created a, a little bit of a stir in the media circles here so you always seem to do that by the way with your articles so that's that's pretty <laughs> impressive uh, but <laughs> but the guy basically called players i don't know we can curse on this, so if it's okay with you, you go with that. <laughs> the guy basically called his players pussies, the ones that decide not to opt out, right? And have you heard anything about his comments rubbing any of the players the wrong way? Because I could definitely see that happening. So it's been interesting, right? He made some comments earlier in the summer about some political comments, and that's what led to the conversation that I had with him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, we're, we've been at this point this year where athletes are not afraid to speak out. We saw... NFL players, including Chase Young, put together a video uh, with regards to uh, police brutality, and that led to the NFL to immediately respond and talk about, you know, players can kneel and, and they're, they're behind this movement and things like that. And yet when Jack Del Rio made comments that he made, I, as far as I could see, I don't remember seeing any player coming out and saying anything. Now, right. the, is the Washington locker room, relatively speaking, not that politically interested versus other places? Maybe. I mean, it all comes down to the individuals. Again, Chase Young was in that video. He's only a rookie, so I don't know what he's going to say. Haskins was part of the Black Lives Matter uh, march or, or, or movement to protest down here, sorry, during the summer. So, you know, he spoke out, but he's also a young guy. So I haven't really heard too much about guys speaking out. I mean, I think that also, whereas Jack Del Rio's comments are th- – the fact that he's outspoken to that degree, regardless on some level of what side he was on, it's rare to see a coach, especially an assistant coach, kind of go down there. And I think that's sort of what – made it a little bit interesting, uh, you know, just that he would do it. But he's not new to the scene. He's been a player in the league for over 10 years. He's been a two-time head coach. He's been an assistant. I think people understand who Jack Del Rio is. I'm not making a judgment on that. I'm just saying I don't think he's – I don't think whatever he said was completely caught people off guard. So I yeah. suspect that people, you know, okay, this is what he thinks. So I haven't heard about that, but that was partly why I asked him if he felt that he needed to – to talk to any of his players or had any of his players reach out to him. And he said, he said he hadn't talked to anybody. So um, take that, as, well, take him as a word for that. So yeah, at the moment, at least it doesn't appear that, that anybody has, I'm not saying they don't have any issues with anything, but they haven't expressed it apparently. Well, I think that also everybody knows, you know, he's a defensive player. He's a no nonsense guy that, you know, would put some dirt on it, that type of attitude. I think he's having this sometimes he has a lot of young guys on his team. And I think that a lot of young guys that are fighting for spots on the team, and what are they going to say? I mean, it's not a veteran-laden team where they can be like, look, man, you know, we're grown men. We're going to do what we feel is the right thing to do. I think some of these guys are fighting for paychecks. And for, for him to put them between a rock and a hard place like that, it's concerning also moving forward that, yes, on paper, free will, do what you want to do. But, you know, a guy like Harvey Clemens 
it might be in the back of Del Rio's mind next season when he comes around and like, oh, you're back, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, you welcome back. <laughs> I mean, it, it, to, to some guys, this might rub a coach to say, all right, I've got between this guy that stuck through it and this guy that decided to leave. I'm going to go with the guy that stuck through it. That's just my opinion on it. Yeah. When he and I talked, uh, the Harvey Clemens thing had not come out yet. It came out a few hours later. So, um, and I mentioned specifically Caleb Brantley because Caleb Brantley was ruled that he was sitting out as a high risk. So, I mean, in my head, I, I mean, I, I tried to differentiate between guys who are out with a specific high risk issue versus players yeah. who are opting out for potentially other reasons. So hopefully that was point was made clear enough. So when he responded as he did saying that he was going to keep his own opinions about guys, guys opting out to himself, because it wouldn't probably go well for his current uh, occupation. But there's a difference there. So you hope that's the case. And look, ultimately, Ron Rivera, right, is the is the head coach. I mean, Ron Rivera seems to be – he seems to understand the idea that some guys are opting out, just like he said to me when I talked to him previously about that he he has, he has said that he is, you know, going to support guys if they choose to kneel, even if he himself isn't going to because he's got a military family and he doesn't want – for him, that's not the way to go. So, you know, ultimately, Rivera seems to be understanding of that, even if hypothetically – uh, Del Rio, based on his comments, may, may not be as you laid it out. So, look, this whole thing is, is incredibly tricky. I, I personally am fascinated by this in the sense that, you know, back in the day when I was a lad, you know, we, we always heard, you know, you don't talk about politics and you don't talk about religion, and nobody pays attention to either of those things anymore. <laughs> yeah. No. And especially, I mean, heck, I, I don't remember when politicians were whatever cuss. Now they're just like, boom, they'll let it out no matter what. It's it's different, completely different time. And um, some good, some bad. Yeah, I mean, look. At the end of the day, we all everybody doesn't agree on stuff, and that's right. Part of what part of what makes you know society, it makes the world go round. But in this case, when you're a new coaching staff and you're trying to get these guys to buy in, and it's just interesting, you know, regardless of what the message is, whether it's something that Rivera is saying or another coach, how do you connect with these guys? So I think that to me is what makes it interesting. You know, look, just because people speak for the other side doesn't always make that what they're saying is completely accurate. There are people who are just going to disagree, and it's it doesn't matter what my personal beliefs are, but they have to figure out. I mean, this is part of what makes a football team interesting, right? You have all these guys, like at least I'll say on the NBA side, if we're viewing it from a political lens, most of these guys you would generally imagine coming from the same principal side, the same kind of side of the aisle. But football, like you can see where the, these players all are over the place, yeah. And if it's going to be this out in the open, forget even just Del Rio, just for themselves. How do you, in an election year with so much happening, so many huge topics even beyond the election, how do you come together to, for the common good and build towards something you, you guys all want this common goal of trying to win? I think that part is pretty interesting and pretty fascinating. And, you know, Del Rio said whatever he said, but that's just part of the equation. There's other guys who may agree with him, but there's other who may vehemently disagree with him. Whatever you think, how do you, can you ignore all that stuff? When things are so politically charged, I think is an interesting topic for any team. And, and that's what I was saying on the last show. I mean, basically, like by saying these things, there's so many so many issues on both sides, right? There, people have their opinions, and what does he get out of bringing this topic up? Nothing good can come of it. You know what I mean? It's when you're trashing people that are saying, "Oh, you know, basically you're a pansy for opting out," and he didn't say those words, but he pretty much did. Especially when the NFL has such done such a porous job with this whole COVID situation to begin with. They're not in a bubble. They don't have really any great plan in place, from my perspective anyway. Joel Corey, for instance, again, I'll bring him up. He doesn't even think the season's going to finish or there's going to be a long break in between because of what's happening with having to travel from place to place and 
having 90 guys in your roster right now and just assuming everybody's going to do the right thing. I mean, the Saints, for instance, I'm sure you've heard, they basically created their own bubble. The fact that that teams are forced to do their own thing versus the league is controlling it, it's not going to go well. And this guy coming out and saying these types of things, he's going to piss a lot of people off. And I'm surprised that people haven't come out yet. And on top of that, he's a coach saying, don't say stupid shit. He goes out of his way. Don't don't go on social media and say stupid things or don't be outspoken about things as a team environment. And now he's going to go ahead and trash the guys that are going to opt out. It just seems kind of ass backwards to me. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, in terms of the overall situation with regards to the to the league, um, you know, or, or in terms of the plan or, or lack thereof, you know, it's tough. I mean, so much of what's happening right now in this country is regardless of where one comes down on the, the topic of the mask issue, right? I mean, I don't quite understand why anybody is, is, is anti the mask, but right. Great. This is what it is, but that, <laughs> but that stance, that belief is leading to where we're at right now, right? right I mean, if, right. If, if we're not curing coronavirus tomorrow, there is no vaccine. And the idea of avoiding people, social distancing, wearing a mask, these are all dodges right now to try to, as best we can, slow the process and help the hospitals not get overwhelmed. And, and But also lower the num- number of cases so that if people are coming together, you, you lower the risk of everybody picking it up and, you know, whatever, I'm not breaking news here with that. So the, I guess what's tough is, you know, because from the top down of the country, there was no coherent plan. And then it basically was led to every single entity, whether we're talking about a fortune 500 company or an NFL team or the mom and pop store or your, or an individual family, obviously everybody would be up to them on some level anyway, but everybody just had to sort of figure out what to do. And this whole thing is insane. This is a once in a century type dilemma situation. Uh, you know, it's still unclear what's going to happen or what should happen or, or everything. So when you don't have a, a coherent plan from the top down, I think it led to a lot of people just having to, to somewhat flail away. It's a lot easier for the for NBA. It's a lot easier for the NBA, obviously, to do a bubble because of the number of people involved. I don't know realistically what the NFL could have done from a bubble perspective because of the sheer amount of people. I mean, you probably have, including the players and the staff, 100 people on a team, let's just say. Boy, you know, what do you do for that? But this is the issue. Like at some point it does feel like this thing is, is going to fall apart that we're, it is going to be a challenge to make it through a season. Well, hopefully Del Rio can just get to coaching at this point. Yeah. Just coaching nice. the guys that are there and worry about being a, a defensive coordinator and allow his players that are there to play. And that's what they always love to say at these press conferences. Anyway, we're working with the guys that are here. So they, yeah. they love to say that we're working with the guys that are here. Anytime there's a guy on a holdout or anything like that, we're working with the guys that are here. So that should really be the only thing coming out of his mouth at this point when it comes to whether it be COVID or guys opting out or anything like that. That's my opinion. Just get to coaching. They're finally able to be on the field, and that's what he should, where his mindset should be, in my opinion. All right, Ben. Well, we've taken up too much of your time. We really appreciate it. <laughs> thank you so much. You're, you're, you're probably, awesome, man. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank you. And obviously, you're on The Athletic dot com and and the app which i am a subscriber but is there anything we else we should look out for what big news are you going to break here what new breaking news do you got coming up (laughs) yeah give us give us a little taste (laughs) um i don't know about any breaking news but yeah i mean you know look i mean like i said it's it's a challenging time right now when you don't when you can't see well we all kind of have a routine to some degree we fall into about how we cover training camp and there's no observations to make we won't be out there for another week or so um, so eventually we'll get back out there right now, you know, just trying to plug away with uh, thoughts on the team. You know, you got to do, you still got to do reporting and talk to people, you know, with the team away from the team. So 
Uh, a couple things I'm working on, I, I'll, I'll just sort of say, wait and see. I mean, but that, I, I don't mean anything, wait and see, like, wow. You're gonna be <laughs> yeah, away. no, I got you. <laughs> well, just, uh, well, but, but just that, partly why I'm not even, I'm saying wait and see is, uh, it's a day-to-day circumstance of if I feel like writing on a given day. Some days I'm like, I'm all, I'll write four stories, and other days I'm like, <sighs> tired today. Well, that is going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you made it all the way to the end, we will be back on Wednesday and discussing all things DC sports as we typically do. Appreciate you guys bearing with us and we will see you soon.